This morning, if you would, open up your Bibles to John chapter number 11 and verse number 23. God says this, and he says, Jesus said unto her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, I am the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, he will never die. Do you believe this? That's the question I'm going to leave with you this morning. Do you believe that God's making something greater out of you than you can make out of yourself? The title of this message is The Emotional Basket Case. Now, some of y'all are thinking, Pastor, I was good with the control freak because even though you were stepping on my toes last week, I could still control the amount of times you stepped on them because I could just pull them back or curl them up or everything like that. And so we talked about the control freak and how on the way to the main miracle, now I know there is no such thing as a main miracle. Every miracle is a major event. But on the way to raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus does a miracle in the life of Martha. And he addresses the control freak on the inside of her. But also related to Martha is her emotional sister. Martha had an emotional sister and her name was Mary. And now let me give you a little background on Mary as we begin today. The Bible says in John chapter 11 verse number 2, the very beginning of the account of Lazarus. And it says, this was the same Mary who anointed Jesus with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now you go to the next chapter, John chapter 12, and this is the week before Jesus is about to go to die on the cross, and it gives the account of Mary breaking out an expensive thing of ointment and wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair, anointing him for what was about to take place on the cross of Calvary. And so this is the same Mary, the emotional Mary that we're about to talk about. The same Mary did one of the greatest acts in the Word of God by anointing our Savior for burial. So as we get into this emotional basket case, we got to realize a couple things about emotions as we begin here. The first thing I want you to realize about emotion is it comes from a French word, and I'm not even going to try and say it because I can make the beautiful language of French sound very ugly very quick. But in making it sound beautiful or making it become ugly very quick, the definition of it means to stir up. How many of y'all have ever been moved to emotion? You've been moved to laughter. You've been moved to tears. Hopefully you won't be moved to laughter this morning. Amen. Well, sometimes I hope you are. If it's funny, you don't just laugh at me for the sake of laughing. Hopefully, some of you will be moved to tears today because God will convict your life. But many times as we study emotions and what motion is, the root word of emotion is what? Motion is the root word of emotion. And so in every emotion, there's emotion that takes place. And in the emotional sister Mary, she has a lot of motions that take place. And so as we begin to talk about emotions, the very things that move us, I want to read to you three things about emotions that are very concerning. Emotions are great, but they were never meant to be decision makers. How many of you have ever made a decision out of emotion and then thought back a couple minutes later, maybe I shouldn't have sent that text. Maybe I shouldn't have posted that on Facebook quite like it was. Maybe I shouldn't have said that to my spouse in the moment, men, of anger. Maybe, ladies, in your moment of emotion, you shouldn't have said that to your kids or your husband. And so in our moments of emotions, how many of you have ever made an emotional decision? You do it a lot when you're young and you're married. You make an emotional decision. You make an emotional purchase that you really couldn't afford because this great salesperson has come to your door and you made an emotional decision and then you find yourself in debt still five years later paying on a vacuum cleaner. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Why y'all laughing? I'm fixing to be moved to tears because y'all just laughed at me. Actually, it was a rainbow vacuum. And I told my wife, we will have this vacuum 20 years from now because we're going to learn our lesson. And we're, we're 11 years into this vacuum, y'all. Y'all pray it holds up another nine. Amen. <laughs> Emotions are great, but they were never meant to make, be decision makers. 
when you make decisions out of emotions, many times it is going to be the exact opposite of what the Spirit of God wants. Because unless you are controlled by the Spirit, your emotions are reacting to the flesh, not the Spirit of God on the inside of you. The second thing we need to know about emotions is they are very beneficial because they add to the experience. But now, because they add so much to the experience, we don't care about a movement of God as long as we have an emotional experience. See, here's the problems in churches. We got such good music. We got such good lights and sound. We got such good of everything. We can make an emotional movement take place in church. And a lot of people will think they've been saved or born again, but really they just had an emotional movement. So our goal at The Way Bible Church is for you to enjoy the benefits of your emotion, but make sure you're moved by the anointing power of God Almighty. Amen. We want you to come to full grips with your emotions. I hope you get to laughter in church. I hope you go home and say, church there is fun. <laughs> I hope you say, church is fun. I enjoy going there. It's fun laughing in a worship service. Amen. I love it when we get to laugh together. I love it when we get to cry together. I love it when people come up here, move to tears, but not making a movement because of the tears. I love it when people are so moved by the power of God, it moves their emotions, not their emotions trying to move so they think they had a movement of God. So emotions are very beneficial, and in fact, they're great, but we cannot dictate everything we do by an emotional movement. Now, because we have let emotions move us, we have the mindset that they will move God. The third thing you need to know about emotions is because they move you, you think it's going to move God. God is not moved by your emotions. God sees them, God feels them, God senses them, God knows them, and God understands them. But the Bible says faith moves God, not emotions. So as we get into this story of Mary and her emotional life and everything that's going on, and now after I read this part, it's part of the account of this, y'all will realize even more why Lazarus loved his four-day nap in a good man cave, amen. When you're dealing with the control freak Martha in the emotional basket case, Mary, Lord Jesus, get me to a place, <laughs> And that cave looks mighty good at the time. Put a stone in front of it for four days. Give me a break. As we go through this account, I want you to understand and begin to know that just as everybody has a control freak side to us, everybody also has an emotional side to them. And you need to make sure that you're being moved by God, not emotions. Now, listen as we read this account. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And when she said this, she went and called her sister Mary and saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you to come. Notice the difference. The control freak ran out to meet Jesus. The emotional one stayed in the house and said, Jesus, come to me. Y'all know these emotional people. You know what I'm talking about? I'm having a bad day. Oh, Lord Jesus. Everybody see my pity. Come ask if I'm okay. Come here. Oh, my gosh. It's just been the worst day ever. Oh, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Lord Jesus will get me through trying to gather more crowd. Come here, sympathize with my emotions. Please, build me up. Tell me something encouraging. They have a bad day or something ticks them off, so they're going to put on the attitude of the facade that, oh, I'm just, I'm doing very good, bless the Lord. Oh, no, really, what's wrong? No, really, I'm just fine. I'm just standing in faith. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I see I've offended a lot more people with the emotional basket case than with the control freak. Uh, I mean, but praise God, he's going to set you free on that one too. Amen. How long are we going to make Jesus run to us? How long when we have a bad day are we going to sit and cry about it and make Jesus run to us when he's got a miracle to take place? 
Jesus is about restoring dead lives to life, amen. Jesus is about bringing dead things back to life, and we're worried that Jesus isn't gonna run to me in my moment of, oh, poor pitiful me, when he's got a dead person to raise. I'm not saying that you're not important or you're less important than somebody else. What I'm saying is when you get born again, your spiritual walk should begin to exemplify growth. And I understand when you are first born again, you have a good grace time period of growing, but there becomes a day when God says, quit making me run to you, quit making me run after you because you're supposed to be following me. See, a lot of people, we want to cry in our emotions, cry in our pity parties, throw this big pout fest and ask Jesus to run to our house and say, oh, poor baby, are you okay? He's got a dead person to raise. He's got a crowd of unbelievers gathered around that need to be born again, and you're wanting him to bring you a Kleenex. I know that sounds harsh, but it's really not harsh when you begin to grow in the Lord, amen? I mean, this is why in our vision this year as a church, we need everybody to plug into a small group. We need everybody to plug into a smaller environment than this great sanctuary setting because we need you to get to a place where you're growing in Christ, where you can be Jesus to somebody. When you see the dead, you go raise them and you do miracles along the way, amen. When you begin to plug into a small group, it's for your spiritual growth and depth. And as we begin to grow, we've got to begin to ask the question, how many times a day am I going to make Jesus run like he's my maid at my beck and call and say, Jesus, just take care of this because I'm having a bad day. How many times are we going to continue to make Jesus run after us? Well, a lot of y'all are thinking, well, pastor, surely you have forgotten the story of the prodigal son. Prodigal son means the son was lost. And in fact, the word prodigal means to spend lavishly. And so really the prodigal in the whole story was the father, God himself, who spent lavishly on the son who came back and then also on the son who was still there. He gave the whole kingdom over to them. So if you want to argue parables about the prodigal son, yes, he saw him coming from a long way. Yes, he ran and God will run after you. But how many more times are we going to make God keep running when he specifically said, come, follow me, take up your cross? How many times are we going to make him run? The next thing we need to know about the emotional basket case, Mary, is notice when she gets down to verse number 31. Verse number 31, she goes in and says, when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, you notice she got her crowd. The Jews, they were with her in the house. They were consoling her. So they had all gathered around. Oh, poor Mary, we're just so devastated with you. And bless your heart, your sister's not even paying attention to you. She's trying to do all this work, and she just needs to be weeping and moaning. And the control freak's got her group of people. Oh, Martha, we're so sad that your sister's just over there crying and getting snot everywhere. And you got to keep cleaning it up. Mary got her crowd. She gathered a bunch of people. The good thing about emotions is emotions will draw a crowd. They will. A lot of you say, Pastor, I love your preaching because it's passionate and you show emotion and it's not a speech or a lecture. So emotion draws people. But I cannot let emotion dictate what I say. There should be a lot of spiritual study and discernment before it goes into an emotional, passionate message filled with the anointing of God. And so Mary's over here crying in the house, and all, oh, and then all the people start gathering around her. Oh, bless Mary's heart, poor pitiful Mary, poor Mary, this poor Mary that y'all been to funerals, you've been there, you've seen it, you've been patting somebody, you've been the one being patted. And listen, when somebody dies, I know it's a serious issue, and I know there is a time for weeping and mourning, and just as in everything else, there is a time for mourning. But listen, we got to make sure as believers that we're not just changing weeping positions. Listen to how this story goes. In verse 31, it says, When the Jews were with her in the house consoling her, Mary rose quickly to go out. And they followed her. She was supposing she was just going to the tomb to weep. 
So what it's saying is Mary was such an emotional person is that she was crying in the house. She got up to leave, and everybody says, oh, she's just going to go cry somewhere else. (laughs) See, the problem with a lot of Christians is we just make lateral emotional movements or horizontal emotional movements instead of vertical faith movements. We cry over here, and two days later, we haven't got our answer, so we're going to cry over here. We're going to cry on Jeff and Amy's shoulder, but because when they prayed two days ago, it didn't come to pass. Well, I guess I'm going to go to Damon and Laura, or Heath and April, or we're going to go to Corey over here. We're going to go to Aaron and Megan over here, and we go from person to person to person in our crying emotional movements. The problem is we never had a vertical faith movement. We just had horizontal emotional movements. How many more times are we going to keep going horizontally or laterally, whatever you want to say, instead of stopping and saying, God, I need a vertical faith movement. Because many times, to get a vertical faith movement, we have got to depend on a word from God. And listen, I've been there. When you're in a pity party, the last thing you want is, to, is a word from God. You want to be in a pity party. I've been there, man. Everybody's been there. You know when you're in your pity party, you want to stay there. You're mad at God. You're mad at the preacher. You're mad at Jeff and Amy because they prayed and it didn't happen. You're mad at Mitch and Andrea. They prayed and it didn't happen. You're mad at Sherry and Maxie because they prayed for you and nothing happened. So, God, I'm just mad. Or you're crying. I'm just crying. It ain't happening. Or some of y'all are so in control of your emotional movements that instead of crying, you start laughing. (laughs) I'm just going to laugh about it. It'll be fine then. So now you got the control freak issue with your emotional basket case, and oh, Lord Jesus, help us on all of it. (laughs) How many more lateral movements are we going to have to make before we'll stop and say, God, I just need a word from the master? See, at least the good thing about the control freak Martha, she was bold enough to go straight to the master to get a word. And the word was, one she still didn't like, was, do you believe this? And it put her on the spot to get a word from God. And she said, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into this world. And so when he said that, it was her word. And so at least she was able to get a word. When you are an emotionally charged person, bless your heart, because I am. And I understand emotions. And I understand situations. And I understand circumstances. I love the emotional highs just like anybody else. This is why I will jump out of an airplane. (laughs) I love it. I love the rush. I love the emotional highs. But in all of the emotions, I've got to make sure I am able to put all emotion aside and say, I need a word directly from God that will affect the church, that will affect the nation, that will change the world I live in, that will raise somebody from the dead, that will transform something so we can rise above the emotional situation of this world. Now, bless my wife's heart. She puts up with an emotional person. (laughs) So pray for her. Well, bless my heart. I put up with a controlling person. So pray for me too. Amen. We talked about it last week. And like I said, I'm going home with Johnny and Kelly again, spending the night at their house again. How many more lateral movements are we willing to sacrifice because God's got business to handle here in this earth? I understand everything that took place the past three weeks in our city, in Boston, and in West. I understand all this catastrophe going on around. How many of you during the catastrophes had emotions? I did. I had anger. I had rage. I had sorrow. I had mourning. I had all those things. But in the midst of it, God said, when are you going to start praying? When are you going to come get a word from me? When are you going to get a word for your church? Because in a dire circumstance, the world is looking for a God-anointed, God-appointed word. And the word for the church is we will rise. We will rise above. It is no coincidence that this series is going on in the midst of chaos and catastrophe. We will rise. Let's not be moved by emotions. Many of you who were raised in old school charismatic churches i remember damon we used to sing this all the time growing up it's i'm not moved by what i feel or i see i got the victory living in me and they would stir your emotions up so much but you're not moved by what you feel or you see but that's what you're doing you're moving to try to get emotions so you feel like you got something from god 
So even in the very song itself, you're doing just the exact opposite of what you say you're not not doing. And in the process of this, when will the church come to Jesus and say, Jesus, my emotions are here and they're flowing. Jesus, I'm here. And despite the anger or the rage or the laughter or the sorrow, give me a word. Give me a word that will change my life and transform me. See, when you're an emotional person, the thing you need the most is the strong person to walk beside you and say, now dry the tears. Let's suck it up. We're going to get through this. You don't want to hear it. (laughs) Nobody likes hearing it, but we're going to. We're going to rise. And so you need God to walk beside you, not just as God, but as loving Heavenly Father, but in a way only God can do to pick you up in the midst of your tears, picks you up in the midst of your trials, sets you back on your feet and say, we're going to rise. We're going to walk. We're going to accomplish these things. The question is, when he begins to come to you, how long will you cry? Notice this, verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. Now she got a whole party crying, not just following her. She got everybody bawling. You know, the, the thing I love most about, and I'm going to brag on our youth pastor for a little bit, the thing I love the most about Damon is it doesn't matter who's around him, he can make one person or all of us laugh. He brings that emotion. I mean, he's just a funny guy. I love it. And I love it because he brings the funny side to my serious side, and we need that here. Amen. <laughs> He's awesome at it. And David's over there. Yes, sir, we sure do. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. And so just as Mary had a whole group of people bawling with her, you can be a believer who can go get a whole group of people laughing with you. The reason Damon and the workers at work and the youth are so effective is because they can relate to all the kids, make them laugh, make them joke, have fun. But then when the time comes, boom, the word of God is imparted and life change happens and good things take place. So in the midst of your tears and in the midst of your crying, in the midst of Mary's tears and crying, all her weeping with her, listen to what it says. Jesus was deeply moved, and he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Now listen to these next two words. It's your favorite verse because you got it memorized. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now let's stop and consider that for a moment. The God of all mankind walking in physical flesh on this earth was moved so deeply, he was moved to the point of tears. Now here's the good news for you. Jesus will be with you in the moment. He will be with you in the time frame. He will be with you in the death and the passing of a loved one. He will be there with you in the midst of trials and tribulations. He will even be with you so much to the extent, Colton, that he is moved to the point of even if you're moved to tears, he will be moved to tears with you. He understands. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, we do not have a high priest who cannot relate to us. He was even touched with the, listen to this, feelings of our infirmities. So he has feelings. He understands our feelings. He knows our feelings. He's even touched and moved by your feelings. Now in the midst of him being touched and moved and everything by your, fe- by your feelings, listen to what Jesus does. He's crying, but he says, I still got a miracle to do. Where have you laid him? Notice he gets business first before he gets emotional. He walks up to him and says, where have you laid him? They're all buying. Oh, he's over there. Where have you laid him? Then Jesus is moved to tears. Jesus will be with you in the moment. He will be with you for as long as you need him to, but after a time period, he's going to dry your tears, he's going to stand you up on your feet, and he's going to ask you the question, what's next? What's next? Some of you come to church every Sunday and expect an emotional movement. Some of you ladies actually have handkerchiefs right in your purse or Kleenexes right in your purse because you're expecting to cry. You're ready to have the snot start flying because if it doesn't fly, Pastor, I don't know if I've had a movement from God. Some of y'all ladies are like, I'm offended. <laughs> Not because I was right, because you think I went through your purse. (laughs) Jesus is with you in the moment. 
Don't make light of that. Take advantage of that, that you know he's the God who will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But in the moment, he wants you to be able to look at him and understand in his eyes there is peace. In his eyes there is not just assurance, but reassurance. In his heart there is compassion and love. In the midst of the Savior that died on the cross for us, he still has your best interest in mind. Even when he's saying, stand up, let's dry the tears from your eyes. Let's wipe the snot off your face and let's begin to move forward in the process because remember the very first verse we read this illness will not result in death but it will be an occasion for the glory of God's and you will have new grounds for believing some of you God has to get you past your tears and even in the midst of your tears walk forward with you and say Linda I'm giving you new grounds for believing I'm giving, I'm fixing to show you something greater than you've ever had. First, if you're just going to sit here crying for the next five hours, I got a miracle to do. Many church members miss the miracle because you would rather sit there in your tears. You don't just miss the miracle, you miss your miracle in the midst of the miracle. Because God loves you enough to stop and be in the moment with you. But he also says there's a time to dry your tears. There's a time to rise above. There's a time to move to the next level like never before. There is a time and a place for emotions. God blessed you with them. So he wants you to use them and he wants you to have them. He doesn't want you to be driven by them. He doesn't want you to make decisions with them. He wants you to come to him in the midst of your emotions. And he wants to dry the tears from your eyes. He wants to stand you up on your feet in the midst of your crisis. And he wants you to begin to move forward in the process. And please don't miss the point of the message this morning. I'm not saying there's not a time to cry. There is. There is a time to weep and there is a time to mourn. Read Ecclesiastes. There's a season for everything. But some of y'all have made a decade out of a season. You made a decade out of a loss of a loved one. You made a decade out of your great-grandmama passing away and you didn't understand why. But because you're still crying, you've missed your miracle for the past decade. If you would stand up with Jesus and he'll wipe the tears from your eyes and you'll walk forward and you'll trust him, he'll show you the greater miracle in the occasion than rather you crying for the next decade in your circumstance. Some of you in your church life, you've been church hurt like I've never experienced church hurt before. And you know what? I'm deeply grieved and I'm deeply moved by that. I've even been moved to the point of people to tears in the midst of their church hurt. But I wouldn't let them remain in their hurt. I would not let them remain in their situation. I would help them stand. I would help them heal. And in the midst of their healing, if they would choose to walk forward with me, they would always see the greater miracle. They always have. But I've had people just the same who wouldn't walk forward with me, who stayed in their tears, who stayed in their sorrow, who stayed in their unforgiveness. And to this day, do not plug into the body of believers and, in fact, are even questioning God now. Do you see why Jesus wants you to stand to your feet in the midst of your tears even and move forward with him? Because David even said it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Many believers said, I'm walking through and you've been camping out in the middle of it for a year. I understand your hurt. I understand your pain. If you want somebody unsympathetic, go to my mom for counseling. She's a lot more unsympathetic than I am. She really is. I'm just saying. <laughs> Who do you think tells me to stand up and put my shoulders back and to walk forward? <laughs> it's mom going through a struggle, going through a trial. Many of you just walked into her office and said, Bonnie, you got a second? She patted you on the back. She loved you. She said, now stand up. A little five-foot tall frame self, bossing the whole people around. She understands. She's with you in the moment. We will not let you remain there as a church. If we're going to rise in the midst of catastrophes, if we're going to rise in the midst of circumstances, if we're going to rise in the midst of problems, I understand the moment, but don't make the moment last for a lifetime. I pray that in your emotional life, you'll let Jesus bring healing. 
I pray that in the midst of your emotions, you'll let Jesus do a work in your life. Here's how God's going to do a work in your life. Think of the instance that brings you the most anger, the most rage, the most hurt, that brings you the most tears, that whenever you just think of this person, it's ah, or you think of this person and you begin to weep because they've hurt you. Or you think of this person or this situation and you just begin to get depressed again because in the midst of you losing your job that you shouldn't have lost, you feel like you're unworthy and you're just unqualified and you're just not good enough anymore and depression has set in. I want you to think of the one emotion that you're dealing with the most this morning, whether it's anger, rage, bitterness, tears. God, in the midst of this emotion, show me where it's coming from because every emotion has a source. Remember it says, you're moved to tears, you're moved to laughter, you're moved to anger, you're moved to rage. Jesus was deeply moved. It sprang from something. And many times when it springs from something, that means there's a source that God wants to go back to that source and reveal himself to you and where he was in that source. Many of you in the midst of your emotion, you get caught up in the rage, the tears, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, and all these things. You get caught up in it, and you forget to ask Jesus where he was in the midst. And so over a period of time, you've got up to your feet, and you began to walk forward, and you begin to move on with life, but you've never dealt with the issue. So therefore, 10 years later, whenever somebody mentions church, you get a bad feeling in your heart about church because of something that happened a long time ago at church that you never got healed. You're going to have a healing done in your life. Some of you, you have jealousy issues, and you need to let God heal it because out of your jealousy issues, you throw pity parties like never imagined, and you try to draw the whole world into your little world. Let God set you free of jealousy. Some of you in your anger, you don't know how to control your house, but in the midst of your house, you get angry and everybody runs in fear of you, not in respect for you. Let him begin to reveal to you, why are you angry? Some of you this morning, you're just dealing with hurt. I mean, just flat out hurt. Now listen, hurt people hurt people. I know you've heard that. Well, let's get unhurt. There's a lost and dying world out there that need us to be unhurt, that need the hands of Damon and Laura, of Heath and April, of the other youth workers, of Cody and Jana, of Mitch and Andrea, of Jeff and Amy, of Joel and Sherry, of everybody who's an anointed believer to be unhurt so we can go forth and administer the power of God. If we can't give the world something to look to in the church, where do we expect them to turn? Where do we expect them to go to? Because here's the problem. People look at us as the church. What's the difference in my life and yours? You're more hurt than I am and you go to church. You got the same financial struggles I have and you go to church. You have the same marriage struggles I have and you go to church. You have the same problems I have and you go to church. Your in-laws are no better than my in-laws and you go to church. So let's change it. 